Uh, a lot of you guys are probably wondering who the heck is this guy up on the stage, and uh, I'm wondering uh, the same thing. Why the heck am I up here? Uh, so I thought I'd kick off a little bit with just a quick little introduction, uh, introduce who I am, show a little bit about my family, uh, a little bit of history of me. So my name is Adam Carr. Uh, generally, I'm kind of a quiet guy, which is strange because I'm up here today speaking in front of everyone, uh, unless I get to know you and then you can't shut me up. Um, I have two girls. Uh, my oldest one there is Madeline. She's nine. This is Savannah. She's seven. Uh, this is me and my wife. That's Elisa. Uh, you can see by my hair in that picture. That was a long time ago. Um, that was in high school when we were uh, going to prom, and uh, I met Elisa in junior high school. Uh, we attended Burnell uh, Intermediate School, and she sat behind me in band class, and she was cooler than me. She played saxophone. Uh, I was kind of a dork. I played clarinet behind her. And uh, to get her attention, I would just throw stuff in her saxophone while she was playing to try to get her attention. And uh, we started dating in high school. We started dating uh, as freshmen, and I I very quickly fell in love with her. In fact, uh, too much so that she broke up with me freshman year. And uh, I I still tell the story today that I, I... was like Micaiah, very persistent and just wanted to uh, be with her and be in a relationship. And I would have married her if she would have let me when we were, when we were freshmen. And uh, after two years or so, junior year, I said, well, finally, okay, I'm going to uh, try to move on. I'm going to try to maybe date other people. And I started dating uh, somebody who was in her French class. And as soon as she heard that that lady was dating me, then she came around and said, okay, let's be together now. <laughs> And I quickly got rid of that girl, and uh, the rest is history. We have two kids now. Um, I work for Walgreens uh, Pharmacy. I I am a district manager in uh, Fremont Hayward area, San Leandro. So if you have a problem with the Walgreens that's on Blossom Hill and Snell, that's not me. That's somebody else. Um, I do love my job. Uh, uh, It's weird. Nobody grows up saying they want to work in retail their whole life. Uh, But somehow it happened to me, and I absolutely love it. Uh, some fun things about me, me and my family, we uh, really love board games, kind of a board game geek. You can see my little daughter up in the corner there. She's uh, playing a game with me. We have a, uh, an English bulldog who's tearing apart his bed right there. That's, that's what they do. Um, he's the greatest dog ever because the doctor literally told us uh, he can't go on walks or he will die. So uh, he just snuggles with us all day, and, and that's fantastic. Um, Today I'm going to talk about prayer, and uh, I want to kick off with a little short kind of funny video, and I'm going to tie that back around. So, Mike, you can play that video. Hopefully. What is this? What are you guys doing? This is how far it can go. Are you kidding me? All right, so today we're obviously going to be doing something a little different. What's this? black thing right there. We see this beautiful black thing that I'm clearly curious about. Well, go ahead. You can pull off the sheet and see what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh my! What is this? What the heck is this? What is this? What are you guys doing? Oh, it's an old phone. It's a payphone. So do you know what this is? Phone. A very, very, very old telephone. But how do you text? It's like one that you have to pay for. It's like on the streets and then you can pay for it with like quarters. I've seen one at my mom's, near my mom's store. I'm like, I don't see many people use these anymore. I see them so like in, so sometimes in big cities. But I also seen it in lots of movies. So this is a pay phone. A pay phone? What's a pay phone? You have to pay to use it? Did your parents have this? When they were kids? So have you ever used a payphone before? No. No, but I've seen 
someone used it before. I never used one of these, but I've seen them a lot. Now, once in my life, this has been around for centuries. These are really old, and you have to push actual buttons. How do people take this around with them? Do they take, text, to take Snapchats and stuff? Or does it like just stay one in one place? And like every time you want to use it, you have to go back to that place. I can imagine that this money goes into that slot and then it calls. But it seems very complex. It's very old. My guess it will be around my grandma's time or my dad's. I know it's in one of those timelines, so maybe like in the 70s or 60s. So how do you think you'd make a call with this? How do you like... Start it. Push hashtag? My mom never taught me how to use one of these. How do I use it? I'm scared they're actually going to pick up. This is how far it can go. Are you kidding me? So in this video, it's kind of an illustration that uh, kids, they don't know what that payphone is. No one's ever taught them. They've never used that. And uh, in my own prayer life, uh, reflecting on my own prayer life, it's it's really uh, showing that God has a sense of humor, and I'll tell you why. So two months ago, or I would say my prayer life was uh, very stagnant, and I would go days without even saying a prayer. And this is just my own kind of confession to you guys that over the last two, three months, uh, just going through life was routine, nothing really major coming up. And I would go through a few stretches where I, I, I wasn't praying at all. Um, and to show you that God has a sense of humor, I get a text from Micaiah who says, hey, I'd really like to maybe give you the opportunity to, to preach. I said, oh, that's great. You know, I'm, God's asking me to do something. Sure, I'll do it. He says, I want you to teach on prayer. Okay. Well, I haven't even been praying for like the last two or three weeks, right? Um, and so it's amazing what God will do in your life to get you connected back with him, right? So uh, I promise God I'm, I'm not going to stop tithing. Um, I'm going to keep coming to church. Uh, I'm going to behave, I promise. So you never know how God's going to use it. Um, so when I started researching about prayer and how we should prayer, uh, pray, I, I reflected back on when I was growing up. I, I grew up in a Lutheran church, and we always uh, we recited something called the Lord's Prayer. Has anyone heard of the Lord's Prayer? Any? So we got some hands up in here. And so uh, Micaiah told me a joke recently. Uh, the 1980 Chicago Bears, a really good football team, uh, they had a famous coach, uh, Mike Ditka. And one time he's, uh, he has a chaplain. His name is uh, uh, John Cassis. And John is the chaplain, and he helps uh, the team pray and leads them through locker room uh, situations. And Mike Ditka says to one of his all-star uh, players, uh, the refrigerator, William Perry, he says, hey, after I'm done talking, I'd like you to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And so the Chicago Bears quarterback is over on the sides, and he nudges John, the uh, chaplain, and he says, I bet you 50 bucks he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And then the chaplain looks at him and he says, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Okay, I'll take the bet. And why the pastor's betting, I, I don't know why he's betting. But <laughs> So then Mike Ditka finishes up what he's, uh, what he's saying, and then uh, the refrigerator bows his head, and he says, uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I beg the Lord on my soul to keep so he says the wrong prayer, right? And then so then the quarterback goes to the chaplain and says, here's your 50 bucks. I didn't think he'd know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> so the Lord's Prayer, it comes from, uh, it comes from two different places. Uh, it comes from Matthew and it comes from Luke. And there's two, two different things that Jesus is teaching us here. If we start with Luke 11.1, 1, um, all throughout the book of Luke, uh, I imagine Jesus is a very busy guy, right? He is going across the land. He is 
connecting with people, delivering his message. And imagine he's got a full plate, right? But if you look through all the chapter about Luke, he's constantly taking the time to pray and connect with people. My own busy life, when I let my routine get in control of me, I stop doing that, right? And if I really want to model myself after Jesus, we look at Luke and look what he's doing. Chapter 3, he prays at the baptism. Around chapter 5, he, he goes off and he prays in the wilderness. Uh, in chapter 6, he he's, goes on a mountaintop by himself and prays. Chapter 9, he takes some time and actually uh, prays again. And then here in chapter 11, his, uh, his disciple, it starts with, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. So again, he's praying. All through the chapter, he, he's praying. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So if we look to where um, Jesus is going in this chapter, he's really setting us the foundations on how to pray. So then he goes on to say, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who sinned against us. So we've developed the Lord's Prayer, and I, I think we'll put the Lord's Prayer up here, and I'd kind of like to just say it all together, it's something we used to do in my old church, and uh, I think we kind of get away from that. So let's start. So, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And there's a few different iterations of this. Some people say sins or debts instead of trespasses. I like trespasses for some reason. I just think of like a sign on a lawn that says like, don't go here, don't do that, don't go there. Um, and then we've kind of added some of that, uh, the glory forever and ever. And ever. Some, people, some people don't say that. Um, so there's different uh, iterations to that. And is this supposed to be something that we just say over and over and over again? Is it supposed to be something that you uh, repeat over and over like a magical formula, that you're going to be able to have big muscles and a million dollars if you keep saying it? Obviously, uh, I didn't do that enough, I guess. Um, No, Jesus is telling us, in fact, that if you go back in Matthew, he says, you shouldn't just repeat these things over and over. They should have a meaning and a purpose when you're saying them. And some people might argue, no, you are just supposed to say it exactly how it's supposed to be said. And it's proven that that's not the case, because back in Matthew, he says a different version of what he says in Luke. So he's not saying just repeat this over and over. Each of these lines is, is kind of a platform in which when we pray, we should try to follow these things. So the first thing that he says is Father. And when he says Father, this kind of shocks all the Jewish leadership. And the reason it is, uh, when he says Father, he actually uses the word Abba. And Abba is a different kind of meaning than Father. It's more Daddy, Dad, this intimate relationship with God. And to the religious leaders of the day, this is it's almost blasphemous, right? Um, to call God, the mighty God, to call him daddy is something very unusual and something we kind of take for granted that this, we have this intimate relationship with God. Uh, back then, remember, uh, there's some people can't even say the very name of God. They can't even mention it. And so when he says daddy, he's establishing that we should have this intimate relationship with God. When I start my prayer, I should say, daddy, it's me, Adam. I love you. Thank you for creating me. Thank you for creating this universe. And this is really hard for me. The reason it's very hard for me is I, I look at God 
uh, as this all-powerful being that has created everything. Uh, recently, we were at a wedding in Hollister, and uh, it was on a little ranch, and it was like 30 minutes outside of the actual like downtown area of Hollister. Um, and so as the sun's setting, there's like a big hill backdrop, and me and my wife are standing out there and just marveling the sun going down. And it was really weird. The sun was uh, like you could look at it. It wasn't too bright, and it was kind of melting away. And then you look up, and you see all the thousands of stars up there and think, God created all of that and how big and vast it is. And we're just a little tiny speck on a speck of a speck of a speck. And God created everything and how awesome and and grand God is. And he took the time to care for me and create me and even down to the smallest cells in my body and the grand scale that what God is. So it's hard for me to say, Daddy, I I kind of look at it as... uh, um, like, I should have more of respect. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying you should start with this relationship with God and this intimacy. When we look at uh, Timothy, it says, you know, God has this un- unapproachable light. You can't even, we're so far apart, uh, like, being-wise from God that we can't even gaze upon God. His, his light is too much. It says in Isaiah 6 that there's some angels, and they have six wings, and they use two of them to cover their face and two to cover their feet. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's how grand he is. And it's really comforting to know that Jesus is saying, you still can approach him and say, Dad, even though he's this mighty and he's this powerful and he cares about us that much that we can do that. And how wonderful is that to know that even with all the power that God has, that we still have this awesome relationship with him. And that's how we should start our prayers, right? Um, and if how my relationship was, if it, if it isn't that intimacy, it becomes self-centered. And that's, that's how my prayers were. I would start my prayers, say, God, thanks for this day. May my work go well. Please take care of my kids. Say, thanks for this house. Uh, May the church do well. So just start asking for stuff, right? Kind of think God's like this uh, magic genie you pull out of your, your pocket and you rub them. Hey, get three wishes, God, and then I'll take care of my kids, and thanks for the money, and see you later. Um, and so then Jesus says, after you connect this relationship, we should say, hallowed be thy name. And hallowed is a term that it's, means like great respect, um, like holiness, like to be revered. And so after we connect with God, the first thing he says is to praise God for what that he is and how, how amazing he is. And we have this kind of culture nowadays where we think like Jesus and God, like they're, they're sad and they're weak and they're timid when, when you sin, right? It breaks their heart. And in this, this time when we say hallowed be your name, we're talking about like a God again that's great and mighty. And if we look at revelations here there's a a particular verse that i just always come back to and when we think of when we sin and god is sad god is mighty and god is powerful and i think the world would be such a better place if we got back to that mindset if we look uh i'm going to read from uh revelations this talks about when jesus coming back so when we think about jesus being this kind of weak um and sad person when you sin it's different So it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages wars. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. His name is written to him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were followed him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, 
white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword at which he can strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He, he treats the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his name is written, King of kings, Lord of lords. Ooh, hallowed be thy name, this powerful figure that we have, Jesus and Lord God. And I think, don't you think the world would be just a better place if, if we all started with that? If we really took God in and said, hallowed be thy name, God, I, I want the world to know you. I am worried about your reputation on God. I know myself, when, uh, if I go to work, I'm tired of, like, telling people, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went to church. And when I say I went to church, I feel almost like they're going to, um, like, feel that they should have went. And I feel a weird angst when I say, yeah, I attended church and I served. And uh, I don't want that anymore. I want the world to really know God. And I want us to be able to go to people and say, this is my God and we should all know him because this God is mighty. Back then, like I said, they couldn't even say the very name of God, and we should be concerned and say, we want your reputation to be first, not our own. So when we start our prayers, we connect with God first. We say, Father, and then we say, hallowed be thy name, God. Next he says, your kingdom come. And this one, when I was studying it, it's, it's a little bit tricky, right? Because do we really want the kingdom to come? Do we really want it to come now? After I just read that verse, um, it's pretty serious. And he's saying, we do want it. We can't wait till the day when Jesus comes back and Jesus rules over the nations. And we should tell God, we can't wait. We want to see you. I know I can't wait because all the different nations in the world, uh, they mock God. And they say that God is not real. When he comes, there's no chance that he's not real. They're going to see it. They're going to say, is God all-powerful? Look what he just did. There's no chance that the nations are not going to know out. Even if you look at the end of Revelations, you look towards the end of the Bible, the second to last second is, Lord Jesus, come. And he's going to come, right? And we're telling God, we want you to come. We can't wait till Satan is bound for a thousand years, and we are so grateful that you are here and ruling over the earth. So after we've done these three things, we've connected with God and made this relationship, and then we've said, God, we respect you, and hallowed be your name, and we can't wait to your kingdom come. After that, then we can start with like some personal petitions. It says, give us each day our daily bread. And this isn't necessarily just about food, right? This is about the very necessities that we have to live, our food and water and shelter and safety. Um, and I think we do take this for granted. I know that I do. I mean, show of hands, did anybody wake up this morning and really think, like, where's my next meal going to come from? I didn't. Well, maybe Micaiah did after he fasted for 40 days. Maybe he did. But I know, right, I can just go to Taco Bell and get a chalupa, and no problem. There's going to be food there. But God can take it all away in a second. Our mortality is in the hands of God, and we take this for granted. Um, We've all had loved ones that have gotten sick, and they just lose the ability to eat in general, right? My oldest daughter that I showed there, uh, Madeline, uh, she was born in 2009, and when she was 9 or 10 months old, she got sick for the very first time, and I, we just thought it was a common cold. Uh, our life was going really great. We had just found a new church in Salinas. We had just moved to, back to the area from Southern California. We were in the process of looking at houses to buy. My job was going very well, and uh, one weekend, she got sick, and I didn't think anything about it, and in fact, I'm 
kind of mean to people that are sick. I'm working on that, God. I, I need to work on my, my empathy. And so uh, Elisa says, boy, I just really think we should take her to the doctor. I'm like, we're not going to the doctor. It's just a cold. Don't worry about it. And so Sunday morning, it was uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, she woke up, and she had a rash on her body, and she started kind of turning yellow. And uh, Lisa says, boy, you know, something's really wrong. This is not normal, a cold. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. And she says, but I really feel that I should go to church today. So why don't you stay home with her? Uh, we don't want to take her, you know, to church. And I said, okay, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'll stay home, no problem. And she comes back, and she said, I don't know, babe. I got to take her to that doctor. Just in church, a feeling came over me, and my mom instinct, we got to take her in. Okay, whatever. So we take her to uh, urgent care, and the nurse is looking at her and says, you know, I don't have any means to test her what's going on. Um, She could be fine. It could be something serious. You should follow what your gut instinct is. And Elisa says, okay, we're going to the emergency room. So we go to the ER, and I'm still thinking, ah, this is no big deal. Game's on it, too. It'll be fine. We'll still see it. And we get there, and the waiting room, I mean, like any other ER you go to, is packed, right? There's so many people, and they're like, oh, man, we're going to be here all day waiting. And uh, we fill out some paperwork, and we're the first person to be called. And if you know anything about, like, waiting rooms, they triage it, right? The very worst people go in first. So when we were the first people to go in, I thought, uh, you know, boy, this could be pretty serious, I was thinking. And we get back there, and they start testing her for, like, meningitis, crazy stuff, spinal taps. Like, it's getting really serious. And then even at that hospital, they said, we, we have no idea what's going on. Uh, you should probably go to Stanford Medical Center for uh, Children's Hospital. And I don't know much about the Bay Area's medical center, but I'm assuming Stanford Medical, you know, Children's Hospital is where the worst of the worst go. And we arrive there by ambulance, and I'm still thinking this is probably not a big deal. They just can't figure out what it is. Until we we get her in the room and they find out she's so anemic, what had happened is her white blood cells started uh, confusing her red blood cells for a virus. And so she had an autoimmune disease. And for those three days when she was not feeling well and turning yellow, all her white blood cells were killing her red blood cells, which take oxygen all to your body. So they figure this out, and they're like, well, we could keep her alive if we give her some blood transfusions. Uh, But the problem was she was so anemic from that disease that they couldn't find any veins that were good enough to put a line in. So there's four nurses, mind you, from Stanford, who should be really good, and they're poking her all over the place. They can't find anything. Four or five times can't find anything. Uh, Elisa, uh, she leaves the room. She's all upset, obviously. And I'm standing there, new father, you know, nine-month-old daughter. I'm thinking, I can't do anything. I, I got to pray to God right now and put it in his hands. And I prayed you know, God, if I lose my daughter, can you just give me and my wife the strength to deal with it? I mean, because we were in terms with that. And I put my hand on her. I said, please, if you, if you save my daughter, you know, I'll make sure that she's grown up in the church, and I'll attend church, and I'll do whatever you ask, including preaching about praying. And I put her, my hands on there, and they had brought a doctor in to try to find a line. And I guess they're really not supposed to do that because he was telling the nurses, like, don't tell anybody I'm in here, a new doctor. And right when I said amen... The line went in. And right there, I saw my very first miracle right in, front of my, right in front of my eyes. And so when we say, give us our daily bread, that part of my life really solidified me being a Christian. Seeing God in action and saving a life and knowing prayer does work. And um, it could all go in a second. It really could. So that's what Jesus is telling us right there. Give us our daily, daily bread. And this should really humble us. We should uh, say, God, I appreciate this. When we're, even when we have that chalupa, we should say, God, thank you for this ability to be able to eat this because it could all go away. 
Next, Jesus says that we should say, forgive us our sins. So we should ask for forgiveness. And this is not like a positional sense. It's not like, um, uh, like for example, when I was growing up, uh, me and my sister played a lot of board games, and I would always cheat so that I could win. Um, and so this is not saying if my sister doesn't forgive me for cheating at board games, she'll go to hell. This is not a positional sense. It's more of a relational sense. And when we ask for forgiveness, um, we forget that these sins, they keep adding up if we don't, right? It's, it's like a debt. So in uh, the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our debts or sins or trespasses. Forgive us our debts. And we kind of forget that sin is a debt that we keep accumulating. It's like uh, when I was uh, in college, I got my first credit card. It was a MasterCard, $500 limit. And uh, I went out that day. Uh, oh, I'll take that. Uh, I'll take five chalupas this time. Swipe it. Just keep buying stuff. Oh, it's maxed out? No problem. I'll just get another one. And sometimes that's how we treat it in our lives too, right? Um, oh, I'm just going to go watch this video that I shouldn't be watching. I'm going to go steal this. Nobody will know. I'm going to go do all this bad stuff. No one's going to know. I could just keep doing it, right? God tells us to be careful. He tells us to be careful. Um, if we look at Romans, I'm going to read uh, Romans chapter 2 to 4. And this starts off, it talks about God's patience with us, right? It says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, and not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead to repentance? God's grace and his patience is there so that we can repent. And if we don't, he goes on. But because of your stubbornness, your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done. That's serious stuff, right? When I maxed out that credit card, guess what? 30 days later, I got this thing called a bill. And I looked at that thing and I said, I don't have $500 to pay that. And that's what Jesus is saying. We have to ask God. We've got to keep our, our slate clean. And Jesus has paid for the whole thing. He has paid for that debt to be zero. And how great it is that God is like that. We still have to get things right with us. We have to establish that relationship with God. We have to say, God, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us our daily bread. And then, God, please forgive me of the things that I've screwed up. And it's free. Those kids messing with that payphone, uh, we can make that collect call to God. He's paid for everything on the other side. As long as we ask for forgiveness. And some of you might be like me, like two, three weeks ago, and have some stuff you haven't settled with God, and you can take care of that today. You can take care of it any time. God's always there. He'll always pick up the phone, like with those kids on the other side. Next, he says, lead us not into temptation. And this really kind of means, don't let us succumb to temptation. He's not saying that God is going to just get rid of your temptation in your life. I have a confession, and I don't know if I should say this, but uh, I find women attractive. Um, obviously, I have a beautiful wife, and uh, if I pray, God, just take away all the pretty women in my eyes so that I don't look at stuff I shouldn't be looking at, and let my eyes only be focused on you. I'm not going to wake up one day and go, oh, these women are ugly, and oh, I don't think anything about these women. That's not how God is saying. God is saying, God, give me the strength to be able to turn away from whatever it is in my life, whatever sin I have, and focus my relationship on you, God. Let me get rid of that temptation by turning away. Um, Micaiah recently referenced 
be a warrior. A man should be a warrior and be able to stand up and turn away from these things. And that's what Jesus is telling us to do right here is to say, God, give me the strength to not do those things and instead focus on the relationship with you. I know a few times in my life there's been some, some of those kind of things and it's really playing with fire. And you might be playing with fire some in your life right now and if you are, you can pray, God, give me the strength to turn away from these things. Lead me not into that temptation, but deliver me to you, God. Let me focus on you. Because at the end of the day, we can't have our sin and pray any of that prayer. It's kind of a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite to be able to pray that. We can't pray, Father. We can't have that relationship if we just continue to do what we shouldn't be doing. Um, when I come home from work and my girls run into my lap and say, Daddy, you're home. We can't do that with God, right? If they've done something really bad, we have to take care of that first. We can't say, hallowed be your name, because we're not respecting his name by doing what we're doing. And I've done that so many times in my life, been going to church and been dealing with something that really was taking my time. And he's saying right here, hallowed be thy name, Father. I won't do what I'm doing. You certainly can't pray your kingdom come because you don't want it to come. He said, God, uh, don't listen to everybody else who's praying for that. Uh, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Don't let the kingdom come right now. And then you certainly can't start asking for things. can't say, hey, God, give me my daily bread if you continue to do that kind of stuff. And you certainly, what you have to do is you have to ask for forgiveness and try not to do it the same way. And and repent literally means to go away, to turn away from. And that's what God's given us the opportunity. I want to leave everybody today with thinking that this prayer is not something just to kind of repeat, but it should, in my own life, has helped me these last two, three weeks in in really deep diving in this. It's helped me set uh, some building blocks in my prayer, and it's really let me connect back with God through this prayer. It's important to know, too, I think we all have kind of uh, a feeling in our heart that maybe some people are better prayer, better at praying, or they have a closer connection. We all use the same telephone as Micaiah. We all have the same access to God, and we all have the same ability to say the same things. All the different leaders in our church, we have the same thing. God talks to you and I the same way he does to everybody. And at the end of the day, he's on the other end of that phone, and it's all collect calls. He's paid for everything. And I hope today if you have something that you're struggling with in your life and you need to get things right, he's always there. He'll always pick up that phone. Will you stand with me? And uh, I'm going to close this in prayer and we'll start with our, our song here. Father, I'm sorry. Daddy, we are so thankful and respectful of you We can't wait for the day that your kingdom comes to this earth, God. We pray so much that you would give us the ability to reach all those people that don't know you and be able to convey on their hearts that you are here and you'll always pick up the phone, God. We're so thankful for the things that you give us in our life. We're so thankful for the food that we have. So thankful for our safety in this country. I'm so thankful for my church and my pastors. 
God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins and you'd forgive these people of their sins here in this church if they have the right attitude with you. God, I beg that you would lead me not into temptation. You would give me the strength to be a warrior and turn away from those wrongdoings. And God, we are so grateful that you sent Jesus to die for us and you will always pick up that phone when we call for you. All this I ask in your name. Amen.